So Christmas in the Donnell house growing up went like this. It was crazy, uh, just like all y'all's houses, and uh, we based our Christmases around one main gift, and then my mom and dad are the stocking king and queen of the universe. So like stocks at some houses are like, you know, maybe a pair of underwear and a couple AA batteries or something, you know, but like my parents fill stockings like there might be more money in those than like under the tree, you know, so it's like the stocks are cool, but we would have, we would have one main present. Now, if you're smart or just conniving, you make sure that you ask for only the one thing that you really want. And so, just like my kids today, they take all of the surprise out of it by basically narrowing their focus down to one thing. And so, as a kid, I've always loved music. And so, it was my endeavor to build a sound system throughout my high school years. Did anybody join me in that endeavor? Okay, a couple people. And so, I feel like I might be a little hot on the microphone now. Is that the case? Okay, we're getting used to a new sound system. I'm getting used to what it sounds like. So, anyways, bear with me. So, I think it was around ninth grade that I got one of those combo units that was like one unit, but like they kind of make little lines on it so it looks like separate units because you really wanted the separate units. That's like the good audio systems. But anyways, I was still pretty pumped. This was Panasonic. You know, so we're talking about, you know, solid, solid level gear here. And so you had the two tape decks on the bottom. Uh, you had the center with like the five band equalizer. It might have even only been three. And, uh, and so you had the EQ and then you had your selection of, of what you wanted to listen to. Built in record player on the top, you know, for, for, uh, for doing my DJ skills which I took apart so that I could hijack something else into that input, but that's beside the point. And then two speakers that came with it, which those usually aren't the greatest that come with systems like that. So I would proceed to build this. And so the next year, who was not just alive, but excited when the compact disc player came out? This is when I start to prove my age. Christmas, 10th grade year, pioneer, single disc player. Oh yeah, oh, so cool. And so I had an auxiliary input. I know I'm putting some of you to sleep and I don't care because this was a Christmas I was proud of. And so at night, my stereo system didn't have a remote. Whoa, okay, let's not go drastic while I'm speaking. Uh, but my CD player had a remote. Here's the problem, I got one CD <laughs> Who wants to guess what it was? You're actually very, very close. MC Hammer, please don't hurt him. Hammer time. Oh. <laughs> Can't touch this. One CD, one new CD player. Guess what was going on in the Donnell house? But my remote also did the opening and closing of the disc. And, and for if you just had records and tape players before that, that was like the coolest thing was like the motorized drawer. Oh, gzz, 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 gzz. 
All I want for Christmas. Wow. Fun times. When we think about that one thing in anticipation, and even now as I get my kids gifts, and uh, <laughs> my poor daughter, I made her feel so terrible. So we're a few weeks ago, and we're trying to get like, what's the, what's, what's the thing? Like, what's the wow thing? Like, we, you know, we're on a budget. You know, this can't be like new car or something, which would really blow her mind. Not happening. But uh, she basically hints at a cello like a, a, a few weeks ago, like a month ago. Okay, cool. She played the violin a little bit, got bored with it. Cello, okay, that's cool. So then we're sitting at the dinner table and we're trying to keep, you know, you try to keep fishing for, for Christmas ideas. And she rattles off something else. And Daniel's like, I thought you wanted a cello. As in the cello that's already on its way from Amazon. Oh no, I don't really want a cello. I may have said some unkind things <laughs> that I'm not proud of. My wife reminded me that I cannot call my children morons and expect them to have a healthy self-esteem for their life, but all I want for Christmas. Here's the thing. As, as people of God, hopefully we learn to tap into something deeper than a motorized drawer on a CD player and, and you can't touch this for the 30th time on the day after Christmas. And, and hopefully we start to realize that there's things that God really wants us to have that will actually change us from the inside out and affect our lives and the people around us. And so we're going to move through these gifts that hopefully they're at the top of our list. And so all I really want for Christmas is love, joy, hope, and peace, right? And so we're going to move through these. Um, the first candle of Advent's called a few different things, and, and, and they, they kind of call the four different ones, and, and we can move through those four, love, joy, peace, and hope. And so today, we've lit the candle of joy. I want to read Psalm 96 to you. I'm going to read verses 11 through 13. It says, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. And friends, that was written a long time before Jesus was born, but that's still the promise. We're waiting for him. That's what Pastor Scott alluded to him. We're waiting for the day to end all days where Jesus comes and he judges the nations. And there will be a day where his people are separated from everyone else. And that's becoming less and less of a popular thing to say in this world. But the Bible teaches that there's one way to the Father. And it's through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is a season to share our faith um, boldly because it's the truth that every heart needs. And so he came, he is coming now, and he is coming again. What does that mean? Advent anticipates three comings of Christ in the flesh in Bethlehem, in our hearts daily, and in glory at the end of time. Okay, so that's what this is about. It's about an anticipation. And just as I anticipated Christmas morning as a kid, 
waiting for the CD player that was the only thing on my list to make sure I got it. And now as I anticipate Christmas morning because my grandson's going to be there and he's got 50 things and he's not going to even know what they are. But I'm anticipating that morning because, and, and with, when you anticipate something, that's different than fearing something or just looking kind of forward to something. Anticipation means there's hope attached to it, there's joy attached to it, right? So he came, and so if the kingdom is here and joy is part of the kingdom, then what's our problem? Because I don't always feel all that joyful. Now, when I picture joy, I picture Snoopy in like the Peanuts Christmas special, and, and he's just got the biggest, stupidest grin on his face, right? And he's just, regardless of what's happening, right, he's got this endless happiness. What's our problem? Big thought number one for today is we tend to attach our joy to the wrong things. I want to paraphrase out of Luke 10 and read a couple verses to you. Is it okay if we get our joy up this morning? So in Luke chapter 10, we've got, this, we've got this story where Jesus is sending out the disciples. And this is before, like, this is well before he would uh, go to the cross. This is like a little early missionary trip where he basically sends them out before he starts making his Mediterranean world tour right? And so he sends them out in pairs, and he gives them instructions like this. He says, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into the field. Now go, and remembering I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, okay? Nor a traveler's bag, huh? Nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home and then gives these instructions and basically says, if you're welcome there, stay. If you're not, kick the dust off your feet and move on to the next town. So here's the thing. Jesus sends out 70 disciples, no money, no food, and no hotel reservations. No reservations. And yet, we're instructed in the Scriptures to be joyful. So right there, Jesus is explaining to us that joy will never come from stuff. These people had Jesus in their heart. They were sent out on a mission. And Jesus is, is stating this, like so matter of fact, you, no, you don't need that. Travel bag? Nope. So hang on, we're not changing our clothes. That's disappointing. Um, we're just supposed to knock on doors and ask if we can stay the night there. Okay. And no money. So we're just gonna we're just gonna wing it. It's a funny movie that I like called Bruce Almighty that takes, uh, I think uh, Gabe even referenced to it last week, it just, it's, it's a humorful look at how God interacts with us. But at the beginning of it, 
Bruce, he says a statement, he says, and, and he's frustrated, and he says this great statement, he says, I have no bird, I have no bush, God has taken my bird in my bush, as only Jim Carrey can say it. For those of you that have seen the movie, you understand that he basically had this whole idealistic thing happening at work and with his relationship and all of these things that he was looking forward to just kind of crumble. And he looks out to the heavens and he's like, thanks. Thanks for nothing, right? Here's the thing. Happiness has become this gauge in our lives of success and failure. Right? Should it be the definition of success? Should a lack of happiness define you as failing? But yet, that's what we do. And that's what, there's a picture, it's a caricature in this movie where supposedly everything's gone, gone wrong, and he's like, my happiness, it doesn't exist. Here's the problem. The phrase, I am not happy, even whether it doesn't ever come out of your mouth, but of something that you feel in your heart, that phrase, I'm not happy, often provokes decisions to return to happiness. What do I mean by that? Well, this situation isn't making me happy. This job, this person, this marriage, this church... Yes, it happens, folks. It's just, eh, I was happy. But, you know, now I'm not happy. And when we rest in that spot of I'm not happy, then we're provoked to do something to return to happiness. Now, this isn't entire, entire foolishness. Like, at some point, Michigan fans should wake up and just be like, I got to do something different. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It goes in cycles. I just don't know when the next one will be, but it's, it's coming. But seriously, it's one thing to, to look at something, and, and, and this is not working out, and so I should do something that works. There's some wisdom to that. But the problem is, if it's just reduced to your happiness, how many bad decisions can you make just trying to return to happiness? This is where the whole grass is greener thing comes in and, and, and if I can move this, and move this around. And so we can change all of those things as often as we want to, but we're still going to return to that place of being unhappy. Here's the problem. The pursuit of happiness prompts us to only consider changing things around us. Let me say that again. The pursuit of happiness which I believe is the one error in our Declaration of Independence that we believe we're entitled to. In the pursuit of happiness, we are only prompted to change the things around us instead of inside of us. So if I just change where I live, if I just change... This creature that, you know, is, is sharing this 
marriage with me, you know, if I just change, you know, when these kids get out of the house, or if I can just get that promotion, or if I can just get this amount of money in the bank, if I can just finally ever pay off those student, those, uh, student loans, if I, can, if I can just change this one more thing, or these five more things, right? When we link our joy to plans, people, or possessions, we will never walk in the joy of God. We have linked it to things that can never stay in the, in the red, like, like, or can never stay like in the happy part of the scale. All of those things are going to take dips at some point, and then you're in real big trouble when all of them do. And many of us in this room have had seasons like that. You might even be in a season like that right now. And so if your joy is linked to that, you're in trouble. But look at the disciples. Down here, now let me read to you from verse 17. They come back to Jesus after their little mission trip. And it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Huh. Well, that sounds like something worth rejoicing about. I think there's something to celebrate there. But good works and ministry are hollow things to attach our joy to. And Jesus even corrects them because that's religion. When it's just what you get out of the relationship with God, when it's just, okay, I'm going to heaven uh, you know, God has forgiven my sins. You know, those are good things. And, and, and I can do these things now. Jesus says something real interesting in, in verses 18 through 20. He says, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over the power of the enemies. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But then listen to verse 20. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus lovingly shows them what is truly worthy of our deepest joy. And it's our salvation. That little reference to seeing Satan fall like lightning, he's actually talking about the fall of Satan, who was originally, they called him an angel that was named Lucifer, and he took a third of heaven down with him in his attempt, in his prideful coup attempt in heaven. So Jesus is referencing this. He's saying, okay, it's cool that you are understanding what it means to be a child of God and to walk in my power, and, and you're, you're enjoying some of those things. That's cool. Don't mistake the gifts for the giver of those gifts. Everything we have inside the kingdom of God is wonderful. And, and too often churches and Christians will take those things and just make a God out of even those things that God has given us. And Jesus says, yep, you do have authority over the evil one. We do today, by the way. But he's saying, that's cool, but that's not where your joy should be. 
Your joy is cemented in the fact that you are written in the, it's referred to in some translations as the Lamb's Book of Life. What's that? Well, Advent is all about celebrating the coming of Jesus as a baby, the coming of Jesus into our hearts because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, and because of the eventual coming again. But friends, only the people that Jesus has saved are excited about that and should be excited about that. There really is a time where everything will be, where all accounts will be settled. And that's something we should be excited about as believers because we know where we stand, but it should also be a stark reminder that we've got work to do to teach and share the love of Jesus with those that haven't made that decision yet. So in one way, we should be excited that He's coming, but I don't think it's a great attitude for, for, for Christians to get to a place where, God, I just can't wait till you come and rescue me. I think that's a part of it. But I believe Jesus and His Word to us this Christmas season would be, you bet, I'm coming. It's worth celebrating. But the reason why I'm waiting one more day, and we don't know when that day will come, is so that more people can come to know the love of Jesus. It's not just for us to wait and wonder or be miserable and say, man, I sure wish you'd come today because, God, it's, it's getting pretty bad. And our challenge with joy is, is that our joy would be full because of our place in Jesus and not because of the things that are going around us. So Jesus lovingly shows them what is truly worthy of their deepest joy. Our joy should be linked to our salvation, which is His gift to us. Big thought number two. We get to choose what we rejoice in. I joke about football all the time. I know full well not to put my joy in those goofy Buckeyes. Because where I'm cheering in excitement one minute, I'm kicking the dog the next minute. I can't place my joy in them. I'm a fan, but I'm not, no, not my joy. I can't place my joy in the fact that this church is growing. I'm happy about it, but it's not where my joy is going to be. I've got cool new lights. Oh, yes, I like that, but it's not where my joy is going to be. My joy is that I belong to God and I can interface with Him as much and as deep as I want to because of the cross, because my sins were covered and because I can stand in righteousness by putting on the righteousness of Christ that I could never achieve on my own. And I can have joy because of Christ inside of me regardless of the garbage that's happening around me. Jesus tells them to attach their joy to something deeper because the results in ministry never tell the whole story. If I attach my joy to, to the testimonies of this place, then as soon as there goes a season without hearing about any good news, then I'm in the dumps. Oh, nothing good's happening. Oh, this is terrible. You don't think that comes into my heart too? Absolutely. I can't put my joy there. 
I need to put it all the way down into the only thing that matters, and that is that my soul is secure in heaven because of the love of the Father that would send His Son to die in my place. Philippians 4.4 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. One translation says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That simply and exactly means your joy is in the Lord. Now, there's, friends, there's a lot of things I love. I'm, I'm happy to go to a nice restaurant with people I like. I'm, I'm happy to cheer at a stupid football game. I'm happy to be here with all of you. But if I don't place my joy in the Lord, all of those other things are subject to change. Right? Let's listen to what Mary says about joy. Go to Luke chapter 1. My pages are sticky. Listen to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 46 through 55. This is called Mary's Song of Praise. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all those who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary opens up with this phrase, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And we're familiar with the story. She didn't have earthly things. This is a low-status woman, young woman. Many believe a teenager betrothed to a young guy named Joseph who was a hard worker. These are your working class people. They've got like a five-year-old donkey, not a new model. But it's paid for. I don't know that to be true. She gets to be pregnant before she's married in a time or that would have labeled her with permanent shame and entitled Joseph to walk away from her. It actually entitled her parents and entire community to excommunicate her in that time. And the story would begin that we're going to move through this Christmas season. There'd be a call for a census 
and they would travel with her being with, heavy with child. We've got some ladies here that are heavy with child. Could you imagine getting on a donkey for a 100-mile journey? Thank you, Jesus. There'd be no room for them in the inn. Shepherds would be their first people. The, some of the lowest people in society would be the ones that would come and celebrate the birth of their baby. This heavy thing was placed on her. And yet within it, she saw her salvation. And she said, my soul rejoices in the Lord. She was able to make that journey. She was able to walk through the judgment. And all of those things because of where her joy was. Can we pray this morning? Just want us to give God some room to speak to us individually. With a big question. How's your joy? And it matters, not just because it's your life, but friends, as we interact with everybody else on this planet, we're either going to nudge people a little bit closer to Jesus, or we're going to nudge them a little further away. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, and I bet you can too, that joy is one of the things that draws people to Jesus. So this matters. It matters for you and it matters for your witness. How's your joy? Let's add some reality to, that, to the answer of that question. Do others consider you to be joyful? Well, that hurts my feelings, Pastor. Now this church doesn't make me happy anymore. No, I'm serious. It's one thing to be a serious person or to even be a thoughtful person. I'm not talking about a stupid grin on your face 24 hours a day. But do people see that you have joy anchored in something beneath circumstances and, and relationships and material things? You don't have to settle for less than God's best. Ask Him to show you the disconnect where you've placed your joy to something that is subject to change. If today you know you are far from happy, you might be far from God. And when we realize where we really are, we should have an attitude of repentance instead of entitlement. The Bible actually calls us to a pursuit of holiness, not a pursuit of happiness. And there's joy in that walk. There's joy in that journey from journey to Bethlehem. There's joy in that journey to the cross that Jesus made for us. There's joy for us to walk through the things of this earth if it's anchored in something deeper. If you want to come back home to God today, would you raise your hand in this place? I want to pray with you. See that hand? See that hand? God sees him. If you want the gift of joy, would you lift your hands with me this morning? He wants you to have it. He went to a lot of trouble to give it to you. Father God, 
we need you today. Father God, we ask you to forgive us of our sin. God, we ask you to forgive us from our past. God, we thank you that you want to give us a future anchored in you and in your holy presence. God, we thank you that we can stand with you, forgiven and clean and pure. And God, we thank you that you work on our hearts, that you begin to polish us up, that you begin to mend us in the places where we're broken. And God, that you're taking us and making us look just like Jesus. God, I thank you that we can access the joy of heaven, that it should be a hallmark of your people, that we should have something that we can celebrate regardless of the circumstances around us. Forgive us for placing our joy and our, our hope in anything else. Help us this Christmas season to move back to an anticipation of you, God, a celebration of your coming to Bethlehem, of your coming to our hearts today, and Father, for you coming in glory in the future. We want that kind of joy, Jesus. Thank you for coming into our hearts again today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a decision for Jesus to follow him for the first time or to return to him after a long time, we have these cards in front of you called All In. We want you to fill that out. We want to celebrate with you and walk with you through what that means to trust Jesus as your Savior, what it means to follow him and to serve him as he leads you. So make sure you fill that out and turn that in. Can we stand and worship as we close today?
Father God, we thank you that our joy is secure because we are forever yours. Remind us, Jesus. Remind us, Holy Spirit, in these crazy days to come, we call the holidays, to place our joy in our salvation and to put it right in the middle of Jesus, the Savior that was sent by a Father who loves us. That will last. That will endure. Father God, we thank you for the gift of joy. Help us to share it with others this Advent season. Help us to be a people of anticipation, hope, and joy. We love you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. light and music fell and mercy found us here glory in the highest and on the earth be peace glory to God the angels sing he came to tell the father's love his goodness and his grace Show the brightness of his smile, the glory of his face. So glory in the highest, and on the earth be peace. Glory to God, your children sing. His name shall be called Wonderful.
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace for all eternity.